I know. Good morning, High Desert Word Center. How is everybody this morning? Praise the Lord. What a good day to be in the house of God. Isn't this just the most beautiful fall time morning that you've ever seen? This is absolutely awesome. And uh, we're going to enjoy the day the Lord has brought in the cool weather for us. And I've been waiting all year long for that. It is going to be an awesome, awesome day. All right. Well, let's go ahead and we're going to get started just like we always do by speaking some words of faith over the United States. So let's stand up together this morning and speak these words of faith together. And we know how important it is and how powerful our words are when they're spoken in faith. And we've seen so many good things happening in our nation because of it, all right? Let's go ahead and say these words together. Father, we come to you in Jesus' name and in unity. We confess that Jesus Christ is Lord over the United States of America. We declare that righteousness, mercy, justice, and judgment from you shall prevail. We declare that America will complete her God-given mission to bring the gospel of Jesus Christ to the world. We push back the darkness of Satan from this nation and call for the light of Jesus Christ to invade the media and every home, church, and school, and every town, city, and state of this great nation, the United States of America, in Jesus' name, amen. All right, give Jesus a shout of praise today. We're going to take a few minutes here and go give some love, give some hugs, give some high fives, some handshakes, whatever it is, just make sure everybody feels loved and welcome today. All right, let's go.
I trust everybody got, uh, got, got a little something today. Praise God. Well, we have got a lot going on this week. Who knows what's happening this Friday? Harvest Fest! Yeah! It is our biggest day of the whole year uh, for High Desert Word Center. Of course, we're going to be welcoming thousands of people onto the property on Friday night. And so it's all hands on deck. Everybody that can help, uh, we need you to help us out. Uh, Desiree's going to come up, her and Pastor Katie, and give you some information. But I just got to say something that I'm really happy about. I was a little bit sad because I found out that we weren't going to have a hayride this year. And I'm like, oh, you know, we've got 13 acres, and and, and I really wanted a hayride. And so I found out uh, well, a couple days ago that we have secured a tractor and a trailer. We're having a hayride, people. Yeah. 
Amen. And so uh, I'm just so excited about that. We're going the full scale. And one more thing that I'll say. Uh, before I turn it over to the ladies here is this. We haven't done the full Harvest Fest for the last couple of years because of COVID. And, and this is our first year getting back into it. Well, the church has grown a lot in the past couple of years, if you haven't noticed. And that's a really great thing. But one thing that always happened in previous years is on Friday night for Harvest Fest, we'd have thousands of people come in. And then much to my chagrin, every Sunday morning following Harvest Fest, nearly everybody from church stayed home. And I'm like, what is this? And so new people would come that were at Harvest Fest and wanting to come to church. And then they'd show up on Sunday and only, you know, like half of the congregation was here. And so what I'm saying is this. We're all going to work hard this weekend. I get it. I get it. We're going to work hard. But come to church next Sunday because all these people, they're going to be, hey, they're going to be coming here looking for you. And I want them to see your smiling, happy, beautiful faces and realize that you actually do go to church here. Now, who thinks that sounds like a good idea? Yeah. All right. Very good. Well, I'm going to have uh, Miss Desiree. I don't know what she's got going on here. But anyway, uh, she's going to fill us in on all the information that we need. Well, first up, if I could get Leah Mata up here. Leah Mata. So we had a competition, right? Oh, no. We had a candy, a candy competition. Yeah, yeah. And the winner gets this wonderful belt. And I'm sorry, youth. Jesus loves you very, very much, youth. But the children have won the belt again. They are our winners. And so the youth group will be giving the children a very, very fun, fun party. So You can have a speech after my speech. <laughs> okay, so while I was gone this past week, I got pictures of tables. There was a table on the left and a table on the right. And there were piles of candy on each of them. But clearly, one was a mountain and not a pile. So I zoomed in on it to see what the the sign said in front of it. Very clearly children's. But here's the thing. It was a picture from every angle of that whole table. Every angle. So it's a very clear win. Congratulations, children's ministry. And praise the Lord that we get to give our children's church a party, right? So that party is going to be on October 30th. And yes, youth students, we will be there. And we will be glad to bless children's church. Okay, speech now, children's church director. Hey, I was actually hoping that they were going to win because I feel so bad that we won. Like, it was like I couldn't even like. <laughs> I, <laughs> no, but um, I honestly had nothing to do with me. Had everything to do with you guys bringing in that candy, parents, and uh, just thank you guys for showing up and you know just giving all that candy. But even those that gave to youth, thank you because that candy helped fill. What was it? There's a lot of bags, a lot of bags. It filled a lot of bags. So I know, and I'm, I don't know if she's gonna. <laughs> All right. So speaking about candy, we did have our candy packing on Friday night, and we do need a little bit more candy. So if you guys can help us, so that we can bless these kids, and 
I will say that these aren't little candy bags. Like, they're like this size candy bags. So when the kids get it, they're going to get excited, right? And we want to make sure that these kids that do not know Jesus get a candy bag and just feel the love of Jesus, right? So that's what the importance is. That's why we give out the candy bags. But in every single candy bag, there is a flyer about Jesus in every single one of them. So when the kids open the candy, they get to read like a little comic book about Jesus. And then in the very back, it's a salvation message that tells them how they can ask Jesus into their hearts. So that's why the candy is so important to us, because it's a sneaky way for us to get the gospel into these kids. So if you guys can please, please help us and bring us candy by Wednesday. Um, We need filler and chocolate candy. The way we do it is we put a lot of filler and then we put a little bit of chocolate. So the more filler candy we get, the better it is. Um, But please, please, please help us out. Um, I know that we kind of wiped out Walmart of all their filler candy. So you may have to try to, like, go to Victorville or something to get some filler candy. Um, But we, we did go empty their shelves. So praise the Lord for that. This week is a busy, busy week, and I'm so excited. But if you want to come hang out with me at all this week, I will be here from morning till night. And I can use all the help that I can get because there's so much to do. We did get to repaint our games. So they are all looking like fallish colors, which is my favorite because I love fall. So um, I'm really excited for that. Um, but there's so much to do. We've got lights that we've got to set up. We've got parking lots that we got to sweep to make sure that there's no holes so people can't get hurt. Um, I mean, there's just a whole bunch of list of things that need to get done. So if you're able to do that, please let me know. Um, we still need hot dogs and lemonade, so I'm gonna stand, I'm gonna hand this around, but if you can bring whatever you promised to bring by Wednesday night, that would be amazing. We did get a donation of 400 hot dogs, but they've not given us the buns. So we do need 400 hot dog buns on top of what that was donated, okay? And then our wonderful cakewalk, um, Debbie and Philip um, were members of this church for a very, very long time. And this is their favorite thing to do. And if you have co- um, been coming to this church for a long time, you know around this season she'd be on the phone telling you, Hi, how many cakes can I ask you for? So we want to keep that in honor of them because they were amazing people who loved Jesus and loved children. So in order to make the cakewalk work, we need any kind of baked goods. It doesn't just have to be a cake. It could be brownies. It could be cakes. It can be um, cake pops. Whatever you want to bake. So please help us with that. We bless these families. Some people get have gotten really creative in years and put verses and scriptures and whatnot on their cakes or like on their. They'll put something on top of their little um, their little baking cans or whatever. So if you want to do that, that would be great because when they take that home, they get Jesus. And then the most important part, we really, really, really need workers. We cannot make Harvest Fest happen if we do not have the volunteers. They didn't announce last week because I didn't tell them. There's a front and back on that sheet because I was trying to save paper, okay? So look on the front and the back and sign up. There is a class that I need you guys to attend. We're doing the class on Tuesday. It's okay if you can't make Tuesday because guess what? I'm here all week. That just means you get someone on one time with me and I get to go over the class stuff with you, right? But the class is super important. 
because we want to make sure that we're on the same page. When you're here working a game, you're representing our church, right? So we want to make sure we go over some guidelines with you, but we also want to make sure that you understand safety for that night, what our safety protocol is, where our first aid stations are going to be, and anything else that you need to know so that we're all on the same page just in case something happens. So that will be Tuesday at 6.30. Um, and again, we do need volunteers, so please, we split it up into shifts. The first shift gets to help us set up, and the second shift gets to help us tear down. So um, if, you know, um, whatever shift you're able to work, just go ahead and sign up on that. You'll be getting an um, email from me reminding you that you need to come to a class. Okay? Praise God. Amen. Amen. Well, how awesome that we get to serve God in that way. And I don't know about you, but I was talking with someone this morning about how crazy it is that the Lord would use us. You know, I mean, maybe you're just an awesome, amazing, wonderful creation of the Lord. But sometimes I don't feel like that. And sometimes I think, you want me to do that? How in the world did you ask me to do that? But I just think that it's so cool that God would use us to change someone else's eternity simply by handing their kids some bean bags or giving out a candy bag. So I just know what a blessing it is to be able to show up Friday night and serve, to call this place home, and to give glory to the Lord for what He's done in each of our lives. Just really, really cool. So praise God for those opportunities. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, and if you ordered Krispy Kreme... Donuts are here after service. Okay, one more last weird thing because I'm like that. Did anyone else notice that the sanctuary does not smell like Krispy Kreme today? Okay, I'm just going to tell you that's an answer to my prayer, okay? Because it's good for you. She did it. She hid them to make sure we could focus on Jesus and not donuts. That is a big deal, okay? Praise the Lord. Okay, a couple of updates on things that are going on. Um, we are still working to have bathrooms available by Friday. We're working on it. So I need you to pray in agreement with me that the toilets come in. Okay? Because that's the last remaining thing. Just pray for your brand new toilets. So make agreement with me that they are coming before Friday so we can get them installed. Pastor agrees. Thank you, Jesus. Um, also, mortgage burning. I don't even know what we're going to burn. Praise Jesus. <laughs> they just, all these men are very excited about some kind of fire on the property. And me and my insurance brain's going, we already got, we don't need any extra. Anyway, so here's what's going on. We have had one other minor delay. Don't be mad at me. You just talk to Jesus about it, okay? So November 5th is the final, 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 final day. And we will actually be paying off the week after that. We are not, we don't have delays on our end. We're doing it out of kindness towards another person. So, you know, just be in agreement with us. Aren't you grateful that our church is going to be paid off? Praise the Lord. That's amazing, right? That's just a miracle. Okay. If you are with us for the first time or the first time in a long time, wave at me. We have a gift for you. Okay. Praise the Lord. So glad to have you with us. And Jose, here in the Argyle, rocking his fall Argyle, is going to come and serve you. There's some information in there about the church, but if you would write your information down on the way out, they would like to take that card from you and give you a gift. And thank you for being with us today. 
Praise the Lord. Very, very good. Well, there's a lot going on, as you can see, and we're just getting into the most wonderful time of the year. Uh, you know, uh, I mean, if somebody asks you what your favorite time of the year is, I'm sorry, there's only really one right answer, and, and, and it's when fall time kicks in, and you know, Christmas is coming up, all right? And so, anyway, just if you ever want to get that answer right, the correct answer is when fall time gets here. There's no other right answer, okay? Very good. I know you have to agree with me. You have to. So, anyway, praise God. I'm going to have Pastor come on up this morning. We're going to do our Sunday morning tithes and offerings. What time is it now? Yes, it is happy time because God loves a cheerful giver. Amen. Jesus. Amen. That's a lot of good stuff going on, isn't it? Amen. Well, hold up your hands to the envelope for your tithes, for your offerings. If you go to first to bring them in, most people do it online now. But if you still uh, do it in here, that is really great. And, you know, I, I like to always say this, too. Even if you've given online, paid your tithe online, come up to the altar anyway when you're coming up here just to worship God for what you did and just use your faith for it. Amen. Open up your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 6, verse 12. Hebrews 6, verse 12. You know, this morning I was uh, going through some of the scriptures on end times. and how many How many believe we are in the end times? The last of the last days. I was looking at some of the things in Timothy about about evil people, phony people, lying people, people that hate hate good, love evil, and all those kind of things. And I was thinking, I'm so grateful that Jesus loves me and I love Him. And he's the one successfully taking me through the times we live in. Amen. And so Hebrews chapter six, verse twelve, and uh, particularly concerning tithing, I was thinking about this this morning. About, about, about our lives, talk about my wife and I and our family and where we are. And then think about how this verse helped me over the years uh, when we went through hard times years ago. Because I know now, I don't think we've seen any times like this financially in our lifetime. I know we had the Great Depression back before I was born. We went through some, some pretty rough things back in the 60s, 70s sometimes and things like that. But this is some tough times. You know, you go to the store... Uh, we, we, we went to the store yesterday, you get a half dozen bags and it's $200. And you think, man, that's all we got, six little bags. And then in California, we've got to pay for the bags. I mean, you know, <laughs> so we got left holding the bag. But anyway, that's... All right, Hebrews 6, verse 12. Thinking about this here, and uh, <clears throat> as, as a pastor wanting to help people, says this, verse 12, that you be not slothful, be not sluggish or lazy, but followers, imitators of them who whine and complain and never do anything for God. Imitators of them who through faith, faith and patience, faith and patience, faith and patience go broke. No, if you're a faithful person to God and do what he wants you to do, and you have patience to stick with what you're supposed to do, says you will inherit the promises. You will inherit the promises. And for the times we live in, you've got to be a person that knows your rights as a tithing Christian, as a Christian that pays tithes. My, my pastor, Dr. Barclay, used that phrase, tithers' rights, and I've stood on that so many times. Malachi chapter 3 says that if you're a person that faithfully brings tithes into the storehouse, and the storehouse is the place where God has spiritual food stored up for you. That's your storehouse. The place where you get fed spiritually 
the place where you meet with your family, we've got a natural family, we've got a spiritual family. And we've got to be able to spend time for our spiritual family to have the faith and the love and the strength to be able to minister to our natural family. And so he says, bring your tithe into the storehouse. And God said, I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes. Well, you know what? If you're getting a paycheck and you have to pray between uh, driving to work or having food and you really ought to, just don't know what to do, you're being stretched. And that's the devourer trying to steal your money, trying to steal from your family. And he says, I'll open the windows of heaven, pour out my blessing on your life, that people that see you will call you blessed. And I'll tell you what, when you go to the store and you're able to pay cash for your food and come out with a few bags of groceries, still got money left over, you're blessed. Amen. And so I was thinking about this verse here for my wife and I. We went through a lot of poor days back when we raised our kids. I was a truck driver before I was a pastor. And back in the, back especially in the 70s and in the 80s, a lot of trucking companies went out of business. Things happened, went out of business, and so I'd have a really good job that I wouldn't have a job. But one thing we always had, whatever we got, God got 10%. He got his tithe. And I was thinking this morning, some of the places we lived, we lived in a house one time that had, had a couple foot of water in the basement and snakes swimming in them. And then the bad thing about that, I was young and full of faith and dumb, but uh, we had a fuse box down there. And when it blown fuses, I had to walk through the water of the snakes to change a fuse so we'd have lights. That wasn't a nice place to live. But we stayed faithful with the tithe, what I'm telling you. No matter what we had or didn't have, we paid God his tithe. And now, I don't live in a place with snakes in the basement and the water swimming around. I live in a very, very beautiful home, 15 minutes from the church. Got a huge lake, lots of boats, lots of water. And at nighttime, when we go to bed and look out our window, there's lights all across us. And we act like that's river boats over there. It looks like river boats in the water. And the lake, the lake is so big, it's got two islands in it. Fifteen minutes from the church. I'm not at all bragging on us. I'm saying we were faithful to God with the tithe. And we went from having water in the house to having a house by the water. Amen. 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 And so I'm telling you, young families, young families, don't ever buy the lie that you can't afford to tithe because you can't afford not to tithe. Because when you're a person that's faithful to God's word, that God's able to do what his word he says. He is no, he's no respecter of persons, but he is a respecter of faith. God loves everybody the same. But the ones that draw closer to Him by doing what His Word says to do in every area of life that you know, that you qualify. You qualify for the blessings. I'm just saying, young families, don't let the devil cheat you by having you use God's tithe to pay your bills. You take care of God first, and God will make sure your bills are always paid. Amen. Amen. I'll tell you what, we are living proof that it works. It really works. It's so nice to be able to get up and have a nice house, and a nice place to live, not be worried about what are we going to do. Just enjoy life. Amen? Amen. Well, let's stand up. Make our financial faith confession. And then bring our tithes and offerings up the altar. I want to say it again. Even if, even if you've already given online, come up here anyway. Because he does tell us in the Bible to worship him with our tithe. And so as you're coming up, 
just come up here and just, just hold your hands up and say, Jesus, I want to thank you. You know, I already, already took care of my business with you online. But I want to thank you that the windows of heaven are open on my family. I want to thank you. We're never going to be broke. We're always going to have more than enough. I want to thank you. People who look at my family and say, you're a blessed family. How are you so blessed? And that opens the door for you and then tell them about Jesus. Amen. Let's say this together. As we bring the Lord's tithe and give offerings today, we believe we receive jobs, our better jobs, promotions, raises and bonuses, benefits, sales and commissions, growth in business, settlements, estates and inheritance, interest and income, rebates and returns, checks to the mail, gifts and surprises, finding money, bills paid off, debts paid off, royalties received, blessings and increase. Thank you, Lord, for meeting all my financial needs so I have more than enough to take good care of my family, give justice in the kingdom of God, and promote the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. You can join us at the opportunity to worship the Lord. Let's sing together. As my soul remembers this, of my sins and keep it repeated. No longer I live, now Jesus lives in me. For I was dead in sin, but I woke up to see the light. But in the cross That saved my soul All else is lost The grip of fear Has no hold on me So where, oh death Where is your sting?
destroy your glory. Let's sing that out. Oh, all of this for your glory. Jesus lives in me, for I was dead in sin, but I woke up to see the light. No longer I who live, now Jesus lives in me, for I was dead in sin, but I woke up to see the light.
set for me. For you are the living bread, such an awesome God, so mighty, so holy, so Awesome God, so selfless, so generous, so faithful you are. Such an awesome God. I sing seated in majesty.
excited about getting into the word today. We'll, uh, we'll do a little review here and play a little catch up and then we'll uh, get into today's message. First of all, if you need an outline for the sermon, raise your hand and the ushers will get you one and that'll kind of help you follow along to, to see where we're at. But we're in a, a series. Today is part three of it and it's a little bit of an unconventional uh, series, a little bit of an unconventional title. And what we're calling this is Rock 
Rocktober. And you're like, well, what's that all about? Well, Rocktober, we're calling it that because Jesus is what? The rock of ages. Amen. He is the eternal rock. And of course, we could find several uh, scriptures, Old and New Testament. And I'm going to look at a few today that tell us how important it is that Jesus is that rock and that foundation in our lives. And I was so excited uh, at the beginning of this month because I saw all of the really good things that are beginning to fall into place uh, right now in the month of October uh, for our community. Who knows, there's some great things coming in Barstow right now, right? I'm excited. I'm super excited because we've been speaking this out by faith for at least three years that Barstow is prospering. Barstow is going to grow. Barstow is surrounded by the walls of God's salvation. And people have doubted and made fun. And man, don't say that. That's stupid. Shut up. Nothing good's happening. And then I'm telling you, some good things are happening. And I'm super excited about this because I know so much of it has to do with our faith uh, that has been released over this city. And also, apparently, very good things happening in our church as well. And we've shared about a lot of that, but our mortgage is getting paid off. And we're really excited about that, to have 13 acres of paid off property with three buildings right here in Barstow. And we're just saying, Lord, as the city grows, we are preparing this place to be an oasis in the desert. We want trees. We want playground. We want grass. We want to make this place a paradise. Amen. And it is going to happen. It is going to happen in the name of Jesus. So anyway, uh, we have nothing but excitement going on and uh, it's just a good time to be alive and it's a good time to be serving the Lord. And I'm so thankful really for Barstow and for our church. And you're like, man, you know, not everybody says that I am. I love this place. And you especially love it this week. I was in Dallas, Texas all week, and believe it or not, you think that the Cowboys fans are obnoxious in Barstow? They're even worse over there in the homeland. It's terrible. Well, I'm sorry. Okay, well, easy. All right, anyway, I'm just saying we all know that Cowboys fans can be a little obnoxious. And uh, speaking of Cowboys fans, it's Cletus's birthday today, so he look, he's looking. Amen. I don't always give shout-outs from the pulpit, but I'm just saying he looks really good for 30, so uh, he's doing good. Amen. And I just wanted to give him that, give him that uh, shout out. But anyway, praise God. I want to open up to a verse this morning to kick us off. Isaiah chapter 26. Can we go there today? Amen. We can go there. Isaiah 26. And uh, this is really kind of a foundational verse for what we're speaking on in this series. But this is, I mean, every time I read this, it just does something on the inside of me. Isaiah chapter 26. Praise the Lord. And we're going to look here at verse 4. But who in here, you would say that the Lord is your rock. I mean, he's your rock. <laughs> uh, he's, the, he's the stable thing that you have in life. Isaiah 26 and verse 4 in the New Living Translation, it says, Trust in the Lord always. Somebody say always. always. For the Lord God is the eternal rock. He is the eternal rock. And one thing that we've kind of already mentioned uh, as we've been discussing all this is one great thing about a rock. I'm not talking about a little pebble or, you know, a little stone that you can throw. I'm talking about a legit rock. One great thing about a giant rock is that they're really, really stable. They're not going anywhere. They're stable. And that describes Jesus. 
He is stable. He's not going anywhere. He's not leaving you. He is the one thing that you can count on in this life. Am I the only one that's noticed that so far? People will let you down. Right? People you love. People that even love you. Even if they're not bad people, here's the deal. People aren't perfect. And people will let you down. And so it may go contrary to popular, you know, romantic thinking, but I don't make my wife the foundation and cornerstone of my life. And she knows that. And she knows that Jesus is the cornerstone. I don't put the weight of all of my burdens and problems and the weight of my happiness upon her. That's not fair, right? She, no person was meant to bear the load of carrying everybody else's happiness upon their shoulders. That's a big burden. And the only place that I put all of my weight and my trust on is Jesus Christ. He is the eternal rock. And one of the biggest issues that I see amongst people today is instability. And I mean, you could have, people could say, there's a lot of issues right now with the world. And I would say, yes, there are lots of issues with the world right now. But one massive problem that I see as I just kind of scan the horizon is the issue of instability. People don't want to stick with anything. They think that it's boring to do the same thing over and over again. And I'm going to tell you something right now. The most successful people, the people that have really accomplished some things in life, that's exactly what got them where they are. Doing the same thing over and over and over again. I promise you that. And, and, and I was even thinking about Daniel in the book of Daniel. You know, if you're a Christian, you should admire Daniel for what he did. What was the secret to his success? Every day, seven days a week, 365 days a year, he went to his bedroom, knelt down, faced himself towards Jerusalem, and prayed three times a day, every day. And somebody would say, my gosh, that's boring. Good Lord. I mean, every day, who would want to do that? And I'm telling you right now, successful people do get really good at just doing the basic things over and over and over again consistently. And unstable people, they, they may start out, yeah, I'm, I'm going to do a new diet this year, a weekend when they haven't lost 50 pounds. Uh, that, that's a bunch of crock. That doesn't work. I'll move on to something else. you got to give it time. If it took a lot of time to create your problems, it's going to take more than a couple of minutes to bail yourself out of all of your problems, right? Give it some time. And so I'm going to tell you that the biggest thing that will stabilize your life, and this isn't rocket science, this isn't groundbreaking theology right here, but the biggest thing that will stabilize your life and get you to where you want to go is having a consistent and stable relationship with Jesus. I promise you that. Now, it may not get you like, you may think, yeah, but I want to be a millionaire and I want to be here and here and here by the end of next month. Well, that may not happen. But guess what? You may not be ready for that. So many people that are, man, I just wish God would pour a million dollars on me right now. That would be the worst thing that could possibly happen to you. You don't have the foundation to handle that big of a blessing. You would, you would blow it and you would hurt your life. Some of the things that some of us are wanting and craving and desiring, the reason you don't have it yet is you're not ready for it. It would do you more harm than good. 
Maybe some of you are like, man, I wish I was married already. Well, the time's going to come. But if you're not ready yet with your relationship with Jesus, marriage could possibly hurt you. You've got to be ready with your foundation and ready with Jesus before he can start bringing in the blessings that he really does want to pour on your life. Amen. All right. I want to get into a few things today about Jesus being the eternal rock and being everything that we need him to be. And I want you to listen up and pay attention. So number one is this. Jesus is your foundation. He's the foundation. Now, maybe I should have reworded that and said, Jesus is supposed to be your foundation because I can't speak for everybody here. I know a whole lot of you. Jesus really is your foundation. But I want to show you here, um, Isaiah chapter 28. We're already in Isaiah. So just flip over to Isaiah chapter 28. And we're going to look at verse 16. Amen. Who is really happy they came to church today? I'm really happy. Yeah. And it's not because I had nothing better to do. I just love church, man. This is great. This is option A. This is the best thing going on in Barstow today. Isaiah 28, we're going to look at verse 16. Now check this out. Now this is prophesying about Jesus. Isaiah has a lot of messianic prophecy in it where he predicted and prophesied Jesus coming onto the scene about 700 years before he was actually born to the Virgin Mary. So check this out, Isaiah chapter 28 and verse 16. Therefore, this is what the sovereign Lord says. Look. I am placing a foundation stone in Jerusalem, a foundation stone in Jerusalem, a firm and tested stone. Hey, if I'm going to make something my foundation, I want it to have been proven to work. Jesus is firm and tested. It is a precious cornerstone that is safe to build on. Whoever believes need never be shaken. And I'm telling you right now that Jesus being your foundation, it's safe to build your entire life upon Jesus. He is firm. He has tested. He, he has been through it. He knows what to do in your life. He's the real deal. And so I love how it words it right there. It is safe to build on this foundation. Now notice that it uses a a, a specific word in this verse. That's why I picked it out. It uses the word cornerstone. Now, if you're not into construction, which I'm not, but I know people that are, and I've I've seen tools before, and I I, I think they, you know, it's fascinating to me. I just don't know how to use them. But when it comes to construction, I have at least looked this up, that since ancient times, builders have used cornerstones in their construction projects. Now, a cornerstone, especially back then, was the main stone of the entire project. No matter if you're going to try to build a five-story building or structure, it all started with picking just the right stone, the cornerstone. And this was usually the largest, most solid, and most carefully constructed of anything else in the entire building. Now, once the cornerstone was set and in place, that was the basis for determining how everything else was going to go. Everything else had to align and fall into place and be based off of the cornerstone. And in our lives, if you have made something else the cornerstone, everything else is going to be crooked, 
cockeyed and just not how it needs to be. And you're looking at, you know, man, the, the it seems like the whole roof of this place is just at a weird pitch. It seems like the walls aren't even. And it and you and, and you're seeing, you know, different side effects. But the real issue isn't the roof and the tiles. The real issue isn't actually the walls. The issue is the foundation was not laid properly. We built this whole thing on the wrong foundation. And sometimes we are later on in life, maybe we're an adult now, and we're moving forward, and a lot of things are just like, man, this is not going right. This is not how it's supposed to be. And we're looking at a lot of the different things in our life, but what it all goes back to is perhaps we didn't genuinely build this thing on the right foundation. Maybe we built our foundation on as much money as we can make. Or, man, if I just got super, super educated. And I'm all about education, but it is certainly not the right foundation for your life. And maybe you built it on romance and finding the one true love of your life. And that's that's a nice and wonderful piece of the puzzle, but that's not the right foundation. And until you get the foundation right until everything is built around the right cornerstone nothing is going to go right ephesians 2 20 in the new testament says that jesus christ is the chief cornerstone he is the cornerstone he is what we're supposed to build our lives on and so i want to look for just a minute here today at a story that jesus told and i think it's one of the most important parables let's look at luke chapter 6 can we go to luke 6 today You still with me this morning? All right, Luke chapter 6. We're going to look here at verses 46 through 49. And this is the story of the wise man and the foolish man. Has anybody heard this story? Does anybody know the song besides my mom? Mom? Does anybody anybody else know the song? All right, come on up. Let's have my mom sing. I do. I want you to sing it. These people don't know the song. There's a song that goes to this. All right. You know, we were on the youth group trip uh, this summer. They they uh, roped me into going on that. And so anyway, uh, we, we started singing Father Abraham. And so many of our adults, uh, volunteers, they hadn't grown up in church and they didn't know Father Abraham. And I'm like, if the, if I, you know, I want to teach the word of God to Barstow, but I've got one other goal. And that is to teach the people at Barstow the children's songs that we learned in church growing up. Amen. You got to know this. All right. And so, amen. All right. So mama, you want me to do the motions? You'll do the motion. I hold the mic. Okay. All right. Here's, I can't dance very well. I'm just going to have you do it. Oh, Uh, okay. This, okay. Okay. You just go ahead, mama. Okay. Okay. You ready for this? If you know how to Sing it. Sing it loud. Stand up with us. This is going to get weird. If we're, Stand up, please. All right. This is, yeah, come on, yeah. This was not planned. This wasn't in my notes, but it just dawned on me. There are people here that don't know this song. All right. The wise man built his house upon the rock. The wise man built his house upon the rock. The wise man built his house upon the rock. And the rains came tumbling down. What? The rains came down and the floods came up. The rains came down and the floods came up. 
The rains came down and the floods came up and the house on the rock stood firm. Then the foolish man built his house upon the sand. The foolish man built his house upon the sand. The foolish man built his house upon the sand and the rains came tumbling down. Rains came down and the floods came up. The rains came down and the floods came up. The rains came down and the floods came up. And the house on the sand went splat. Oh, all right. Come on, give it up for Mama today. Give it up for Mama. All right. Yeah. All right. Now you know the song, so I don't even... Should I still read the story? I mean, I think you pretty much got it read. All right. And you're like, man, I'm new to this church. Is it always this weird? No, it's usually weirder, actually. Believe it or not, we, we can get a we can go a whole other level. But anyway, Luke six, verse forty six, and Jesus said it this way: Hey, why do you keep calling me Lord, Lord, when you don't do what I say? Oh, that is a savage comment to make by Jesus. And I'm going to get back to that. But look at verse forty seven. I will show you what it's like. When someone comes to me, listens to my teaching, and then actually follows it. It's like a person building a house who digs deep and lays the foundation on what? Solid rock. When the flood waters rise and break against that house, it stands firm because it is well built. Verse 49, but anyone who hears and doesn't obey is like a person who builds a house right on the ground without a foundation at all. When the floods sweep down against that house, it will collapse into a heap of ruins. Hey, we just sang the song, but now you know exactly what Jesus is talking about. Now, I want to talk about verse 46 for just a minute, because I believe that Jesus posed a very fair question. There's nothing unfair about what he said right here, but he says, why do you keep calling me Lord when you don't ever do anything that I say? Ow, think about that. Because apparently, apparently by Jesus' words here, there's a lot of people that go around calling him Lord, but they don't actually do anything he says. And so it happened back then, and it happens to this day. I could tell you, I probably know hundreds and thousands of people that I could say, hey, is Jesus your Lord? Oh, yeah. Jesus is my Lord. Hallelujah. He's my Lord. And honestly, you know, Jesus said to judge a tree by its fruit, so it's, you know, not being mean at all. But to look at the fruit of their life, they don't actually do anything that Jesus says to do in the Bible. And so, according to Jesus, he would say, I'm confused. Why do you call me Lord? Because when someone's your Lord, it means you do what they say to do, right? And and and, and here's the thing. There is a Lord in your life. There is. If it's not Jesus then it's something else. So what's the Lord in your life? Well, for a lot of people, their Lord is what controls them and and, and makes them make their decisions. And and, and for a lot of people, their Lord honestly would be themselves. Or, Or I could take it a step further. I would say their emotions and whatever mood they are in. You know, the Bible would say, you know, love your neighbor as yourself. I am so not in the mood to do that today, so I'm not going to. I'm just going to flat out give this lady a piece of my mind. Jesus is my Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. 
Come on now. Who's your Lord? Who did you obey right there? Did you obey your mood or did you obey the teachings of Jesus? Because I know this much that there are portions and pieces of the Bible that I am not always in the mood to do. But that's where it comes down to who's your Lord. If it's Jesus, I am going to crucify my flesh. I'm going to submit to his word and do things his way, even if it goes against everything that I'm feeling right now. And so I'm telling you this this morning that something is your Lord, but you have got to identify what it is because Jesus can't be the foundation and the cornerstone in your life if you don't make him your Lord. And so Jesus says, hey, why do you always call me Lord, but don't do anything I say? It's almost like he's saying, could you just stop that, please? It's making me uncomfortable. I'm not your Lord. And, and, and that would sound like such a harsh thing to say. But hey, Jesus said it. I didn't say it. Now let's get back to the rest of the story here. Look at these couple of guys. They both had a lot of things in common here. Did you notice they both had the same opportunity? They both had the opportunity to build a house from the ground up and they could do it any way that they wanted to. And so they both built a house. They both faced storms. All right. And so we know that everybody faces storms. Now you may think that, hey, I thought when I said that prayer of salvation, I'd never have any storms again and that it was just smooth sailing until I got to heaven. Uh, well, that's not the case. <laughs> you still have storms. You still have fights. But the good news is Jesus is on your side now. And you know how to fight the good fight of faith now. So you can always win against every storm and against every fight. Because it tells us, thanks be unto God who always causes us to triumph in Christ Jesus. And so we can always win the fight and make it through the storm every single time. But we know from this story, even if you're doing things right, sometimes storms still come. And so what was the difference between these two guys? One guy took the time to prepare for life. And there's a lot of people that, let's just get real, they're not prepared for life. This one guy, he didn't see foundations as being that important. He may be focused on other parts of the house that seemed more visible and more, you know, worthy of praise. Other, other parts of life that seemed like what just everybody else would look at and see. But I can tell you right now that if I have the choice between a house that has really nice windows and brand new chandeliers, but no foundation, and I could go to another house that it may not be fancy, but it's got a rock solid foundation... I'm going to pick the house with the rock solid foundation because I can update all that other stuff later. It's not good to like, man, this is beautiful. You got a two story house. I mean, windows and, and this is fancy. Wow. This thing's incredible, but it has no foundation at all. That thing is going to stink and collapse. And some of the people that we look at in life right now, we see their filtered images on Instagram and on the internet. I'm like, whoa, they got it all together, man. Wow. But if you would look at that life, it is all a facade. It is all vain. It is all empty. That house is built on nothing. And the first storm to come through town can blow that thing all the way to the ground. And so I'm not looking for people that have the most Instagram followers or, or you know, the most beautiful filtered images. I'm looking for people to win the city of Barstow to Jesus that have the right foundation in their life. 
Because storms will come to them, but it is not going to destroy their life. And so most people, they don't even think about the foundation. A couple months ago, we were in New York City. We went into Manhattan and we went to Ground Zero where the Twin Towers were. And so we decided to take the tour with my brother and we, we, we go down there and, and it's very eerie. You go, you can go all the way down into the basement of tower number one, I think it is. And, it, and, and it goes down into the ground and they're showing you the same beams that you saw on TV. There, there's, there's right there. And, 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 and they'll be like, stand, if you stand in this spot right here and you were to look up, you know, 1500 feet, that's exactly the spot where the, the, the second plane hit or whatever. And you're like, wow, this is so creepy and weird. But as you go down there, they built the foundation to that building. Actually, they had to bring in a, make a manufactured, uh, earth underneath it because the, the Hudson River right there. But it, it goes, they, they laid the foundation 70 feet below the ground. And we know that because of the middle beams and all that, it still wasn't enough. And then if you go to the new World Trade Center, one World Trade Center, they weren't taking any chances. That foundation is 110 feet below the ground. They dug as deep as they could possibly get. And, and, and they laid that foundation the best that they could. And as we look at that, I, I learned one lesson from that. This is on your outline. How high up you can go in life depends on how deep your foundation is. How high up you can build all depends on how deep you have laid the foundation. And so some people are like, man, I'm shooting for the moon. They always told me you could do anything you set your mind to. They always told me I could be anything I wanted to be. They told me to reach for the stars and, and, and that's all beautiful and you know, whatever. But listen, I'm telling you right now, you can't build a building very high unless you dig the foundation and lay the concrete super deep. And most people don't want to take the time for that. They just want, they just want to, you know, this beautiful, luxurious, incredible life out of nowhere and, and not take the time to lay the foundation. It will crush you. I'm, I'm not trying to be mean. I'm trying to help people. The dream that you have, that big, grandiose, awesome thing you're imagining, I'm sure God wants it for you, but it will crush you if you don't lay the right foundation. And I'm telling you, it takes some time to lay the right foundation. And most people don't want to take that time. And so I am telling you this morning, keep reading your Bible and praying every day. Yeah, well, it gets boring. And some days I just don't feel like it. Keep doing it every single day, whether you feel like it or not. Keep coming to church every single week, whether you're in the mood to be here or not, whether I annoy you so bad that you're like, I can't take that preacher no more. Hey, just keep coming. All right. Keep coming. Listen, it's consistency and it may not seem like much is happening. You may not. Well, I'm just not seeing all this wonderful stuff. But as you're doing these things consistently, the foundation beneath you is going deeper and deeper and stronger and stronger. A few years ago, Dylan from our church, he's, he's in Texas right now, but he was diagnosed with a stage four, I believe it was throat cancer. And he had been coming to church for years and years. And we preach on healing a lot at this church because we really, really, really believe that it's God's will for you to be healed. And if my parents didn't believe that, I probably would have died at three when I got leukemia. And so I'm really, 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 really uh, adamant that we preach on healing, whether you're feeling sick that day or not. And here's what happened. 
Dylan had years and years of just perfect health, and then he finds out he's got this stage four cancer. And he said, you know what, Pastor? What happened is, you know, he had to move down to L.A. and, and, and get all this treatment for months and months. But he's like, I had no idea how many healing Bible verses were in my heart. I had no idea. And he said, day after day, I'd be down there at the hospital, and I would just, verses would just come pouring out of my mouth. What happened? He sat in church and heard about healing when he thought he didn't need to hear about healing. And the foundation for healing was like 110 feet deep. And when a massive tidal wave came, he found out what he was really made out of. The word of God. And sometimes you're, you know, you're, it may seem like, I don't know why we're hearing about this all the time. When the storm comes, you will find out what you're really made out of. And if it's God's word, you'll be thankful that you took the time to lay the foundation. Number one, Jesus is your foundation, or at least he should be your foundation. And number two, Jesus is your anchor. Jesus is your anchor. And you're like, why do I need an anchor? I'll tell you why you need an anchor. Because you're prone, you are prone to floating away and wandering off and not staying where you need to stay. Can I get an amen, church? I'm, at least for me. Uh, you know, it's easy to get distracted. And if I didn't have something anchoring me, I'd float all over the place. And so look right here at Hebrews chapter 6. Hebrews chapter 6. Jesus, he's your foundation, but he needs to be your anchor in life. Hebrews 6, and we're going to look at verse 19. Hebrews chapter 6 and verse 19, he has got to be your anchor. We live in such an unstable society, so unstable that it is very, very, very reassuring to have at least one thing that's not going to change on you, right? I mean, they, everything changes all the time, and that's great, and it, you know, we've got the attention span of a goldfish, so it's really good that we've got things actually... At, I apologize. I proved that a few weeks ago. As of 2015, humans actually have less than the attention of a goldfish. My bad, all right? A goldfish can focus on one object. I think it is for eight seconds. The average human now, we can keep our eyes locked in for about six seconds. So, uh, but my, my apologies. Um, and, and why is that? Well, it's because on our phone, I, I do have a phone, uh, you know, you're just all the time flipping, floating. It's changing from screen to screen and all this stuff all the time. And so it's very, very hard to keep your attention. That's why I have to get people up here to sing songs and do synchronized dancing. <laughs> Some of you are already gone. And I'm like, I didn't even really get into point number one yet. And I've already lost you. So anyway, what I'm saying is this, is that we need something in our lives that's not always changing. That's not always going to be, well, I wonder what mood Jesus is in today. You don't even have to wonder. He's in the same mood that he's in every day. Amen. The mood of, of, of absolutely rocking your life if you'll count on him. Amen. And so Hebrews 6 and verse 19, well, the, the, it's great to read this whole portion. I'm just going to read verse 19. But talking about Jesus and the hope that he gives us, this hope is a strong and trustworthy anchor for our souls. It leads us through the curtain into God's inner sanctuary. And I'm telling you today that you need an anchor for your soul. Well, what is an anchor? 
Have you ever been on an actual, like, Navy ship or something? I know some of you have, maybe. Okay, no one? Okay, that's cool. All right. Uh, but but if, if you've been on an actual, you know, we think of, like, a little anchor, like Popeye the Sailor Man would throw into the water. An anchor is, like, the size of this whole section of chairs over here. They're They're huge, maybe bigger than that. I don't know. But I've been on a few of these Navy ships, and the anchor is so stinking big, it is rock solid. And why is that? Because... It, that big old ship, it needs something that can keep it planted and not from floating away and wandering off to places that it should never go to. Now, I want to focus on something right here, and, and it's this, is that it tells us that Jesus, being our hope, is an anchor. What's he an anchor for? For our souls. Now, that's an interesting word. If you've been here long, you, may, you probably know this, but... We understand that all throughout the New Testament, we are told that as humans, we are spirit, soul, and body. Well, most people think of the spirit and the soul being the exact same thing, but they're not because in Hebrews 4, it tells us that the word of God is alive and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, and it divides between soul and spirit, between joint and marrow. So they're not the same thing. I know what my spirit is. That's what scripture refers to when it's talking about my heart. And so when I give my heart to Jesus, my spirit is born again, but I've still got two other parts to me. I've got a body and I've got a soul. Well, I know what my body is, but what is my soul? Well, through a thorough study of Scripture, there's not just one verse that says this, but through a, a, a very thorough study of Scripture, you can come to the conclusion that your soul is made up of your mind, your will, and your emotions. And and that just, that perfectly, perfectly does this verse justice right here. Because if there's one part of me that's prone to wandering and floating away to places that shouldn't go, what is it? It's my mind my will, and my emotions. My spirit, it is anchored to Jesus. I mean, I am born again, and I know that. But sometimes my mind wanders. Anybody else, or am I the only one? I know I'm not. Well, Sometimes our emotions, they wander, and they will take us to places we shouldn't go. But if your soul, your mind, will, and emotions is anchored to Jesus He will stop you from going to the places that you shouldn't go to. You can overcome whatever it is that's trying to screw your life up. Dude, that excites me. That tells me I am not hopeless. I have got the hope of Jesus that he can anchor me right where I need to be. And so I'm going to tell you this. This is on your outline. If you don't. Uh, have your mind, will, and emotions anchored to Jesus, you will never be able to be a stable person. You can try, and I wish you Godspeed, but you're not going to make it. Listen, if you don't have your mind, will, and emotions, if you don't have your soul anchored to Jesus, you will never be a stable person or a stable Christian. Why? Well, you'll make emotional and rash decisions based off of your mood swings instead of off of what Jesus, your anchor, has told you. Yeah. You'll randomly quit your job because you're not in the mood to work there anymore. Thank you for your holy silence. Uh, You'll post whatever foolish things come to your mind on the Internet because you're in the mood and it doesn't matter. And then later on, when you try to get a new job because you quit your last one because you weren't in the mood, they're going to look at your Instagram post and be like, wow, this person's a nut. 
I'm telling you now, when I start hiring people, I'm going to look all through their social media feeds, I swear. And if they're a nut, I'm not hiring them to work at the church. And so if you were ever thinking, man, I'd love to work at High Desert Word Center, watch your Instagram and Facebook posts. I'm just telling you now. I'm telling you, that's the first place. Before I even look at your character references, I'm looking at your your social media. Amen. Uh, so anyway, or here's another great one for, you know, unst- uh, emotionally unstable is this. And I, I don't say this to pick on people. It's just what I, I see so often. People that think, man, my life is so screwed up. It's a mess, and everywhere everywhere I go is drama. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to move, and I know that when I move, it'll change all of my issues. Here's the problem with moving to fix your troubles. You're taking you with you. When you get there, you're going to be there. Oh, my gosh, and you're going to realize, like, oh, no, what in the world? Wow. And so listen to me. <laughs> Moving to fix your troubles will not fix them if you're not anchored to Jesus like you're supposed to be. And I promise you, Barstow is not your problem. Your problem is that you're not anchored to Jesus. Thank you. Again, wow, I just, what a good day. Now, you know, I'm not a medical doctor, <laughs> but I do have a PhD in WebMD. I got it, I went on there and I, I've got a PhD. Actually, it's in Googleology with a minor in uh, WebMD, and and so I, I just had this hunch with my vast medical knowledge that somebody that has internal bleeding and issues, I wondered maybe it's not a good idea to just move them all over the place to try to fix it and shake them up, and maybe that'll fix them if we could just get them. What if somebody that their problem wasn't an, an outside, uh, you know, uh, cut? It, it wasn't something like that. It wasn't a, I mean, what if you've got serious internal issues? Do we want to rush you over there? Do we want to shake you up and rattle you up? Well, I found out that actually the worst thing you can do if you've got internal bleeding going on is just get moved all over the place and shaken up. And Well, maybe if we put them over on this side, maybe if we go over here, that's the worst thing you could do. The issues are on the inside. It wasn't your outside that was the trouble. You, what do you got to do? Well, according to my research last night on WebMD, uh, what you got to do is you've got to stabilize that person and get a doctor there to fix the issue. And some of you, listen, listen, you're like, man, I got to, I got to move. I got to go, I got to go over here. I got to, I got to switch churches. I got to do this. And you're like, whoa, you're all over the place. You need to chill out stabilize yourself and let Dr. Jesus come in and fix you up. He is the great physician, as we call him. Jesus will fix it, but if he can't catch you because you're running all over the place, my gosh, slow down and realize that Jesus is an anchor to our soul. Yeah, but I don't still see the results on one. And I thought by now that blah, 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 blah. Well, I, I've heard this, this illustration so often. And, uh, and I want to share this with you that, you know, the, the bamboo plant, the Chinese bamboo plant is one of the strangest plants on the planet. It, it takes a lot of patience at first uh, to work with this plant because when you plant the seeds for it, you don't see it grow at all for the first four years. And so to the ignorant mind, year number one goes by. I don't see nothing. Year number two, this is a waste. My gosh, we, we keep watering this thing. Year number three, 
man, uh, this is a lie. These things are, this, it's fake. This isn't even real. Year number four. But in year number five, what happens is it finally burst through the ground. The tree grows 90 feet in five weeks. 90 feet. It grows, I mean, on average, like 30 something inches a day. But what happened that whole time? You know, what was happening when everybody's like, this, this is fake. This doesn't work. It took four years of just laying the roots and getting grounded and planted and firm where it needed to be. And then it burst up out of the ground and grows at the most ridiculous rate ever. And so the question is, does the bamboo tree grow 90 feet in five weeks or in five years? It grows 90 feet in five years. And in your life, you're thinking, you look at people and like, man, they've got it good. They just seem like it all happened all at once for them. And even right now with all the incredible things happening at church, like, man, that just, man, they're, they're lucky. No, 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 no. You don't know that there was years and years and years when no one saw nothing. And people are like, man, why do they even keep doing that? What was happening is the seed was planted. It was being watered. There was more happening beneath the surface than you ever even knew about. It took a long time for those roots and that foundation to get where it needed to be. And in your life, you're like, man, I've been coming to church now for like two years, three years, four years. I've been, I've been tithing. I've been loving people, even though I don't like them. I've been forgiving. I've been reading the Bible. I've been praying. And it's like, uh, where, what, what else happening? Don't stop doing it. Stick with it because you may not see it above the surface right now, but I promise you beneath the surface, the foundation is being laid for something insanely beautiful in your life. Something that everybody else is going to look at as like, what happened to her? What happened to him? Why do they have it so good? Well, the answer is I took the time to lay the foundation and it took a while and it wasn't easy and it took a lot of patience, but because we didn't dig it up, because we didn't blow the whole thing up every time things seemed hard, God was able to do something really, really big. And so as we're talking about Rocktober right now, what I'm telling you is this, don't give up on simply being a stable, consistent Christian. On the outside, it may look like, man, nothing's going on. But I promise you, something big is going on. And if you'll stick with this, man, as soon as that thing breaks out of the ground, something awesome is going to happen in your life. Now, number three is this. Number three is Jesus is your strength. Now, again, again, I I should have worded it. Jesus should be your strength, but Jesus is is your strength. Now, every Christian I know will acknowledge that statement with their head. But you got to get this revelation in your heart before it will do you any good. Because again, we, we could ask anybody, is Jesus, is, is God your strength? Yeah, he's my strength. He's my rock. But really, let's, let's get honest. Do you actually rely on him or do you rely on your own understanding and doing it your way? Is Jesus really your strength? Well, I want to show you something here. Psalm 18 Psalm 18, uh, as I say every time, this is one of my favorite psalms, <laughs> but I really mean it this time. Psalm 18, and I say that every week too. Psalm 18, oh, this is a good one though. I, I, I mean it. This is a really, really good psalm. Psalm 18, 
We're going to look at verses 1 and 2. Are you still with me today? Psalm 18, verses 1 and 2. And this is uh, from King David. And he says this, I, I love you, Lord. You are my strength. There it is. David could say that because it was the truth. He says, I love you. You're my strength. The Lord is my rock, my fortress, and my savior. My God is my rock in whom I find protection. He is my shield, the power that saves me, and my place of safety. That, man, that, I, every time I read that, that just does something on the inside of me that speaks to me in such a powerful way. And, and, and it says so many times in there, he's my rock. He, he, he's the stable thing that I have. He's my fortress. He's all I've got. And when Jesus is your rock and your fortress and your strength, he's where you find your protection. You are going to be all right. You are going to make it no matter what else is coming into your life. And I can tell you this without Jesus being my rock, I promise you, I would be an unstable disaster of a mess. And I would. I, I, I have to have Jesus. I, I, I have to rely on Him to do anything I can do in life. He, He's my foundation. He's my anchor. He's my strength. And have you noticed, check it out, that Jesus can really use people that the world doesn't consider to be the strongest and brightest and do great things with them? No, seriously, check it out. Jesus can really use people that the world doesn't consider to be the strongest and brightest and do really great things with them. Why is that? Follow me. It's because people like that know they have to rely on God. It got real quiet up in here. Wow, what in the world just happened? I'm telling you, Jesus can use people that don't think that they've got it all together and that they're just God's answer forever. No. Jesus can use somebody that isn't the strongest and brightest in the natural world because people like that know that they have to rely on God. He is their strength. They they don't have a strength to lean on. He is their only source of strength. And because of that, they're stronger and better off than anybody else. Yeah, I never was the smartest. Do you realize that in Corinthians it tells us that you have the mind of Christ? Is Jesus the smartest? This isn't a trick question. I'm not setting up. Is is Jesus the smartest? Yes, he is. And the scripture tells us that we have the mind of Christ. And so does that give you a massive advantage over everybody else that you work with, that you go to school with, that you do life with? Yes, it does. But you're going to have to... What are you going to have to do? Make Jesus your strength. You're going to have to rely on him and quit trusting and relying on yourself and your own strength. Jesus has to be your strength. And I know some of us sit here and wish that we had some of the strengths and talents that we see in other people. Some of you wish that you hadn't made some of the mistakes that you've made. Right? Am I right? Am I preaching to the right crowd? Yes. Listen, some of us have made stupid mistakes and we wish we hadn't made them. But I'm telling you today that if you are not perfect and if you've made some mistakes, but you're willing to move forward from them, you are in a prime position to be used by God. 
Because you know when he uses you, he's going to have to get the credit. Because everybody's going to know that yeah, it couldn't be her. It couldn't be him. Listen to me. I'm preaching to myself right now. There's no way that our church has been so blessed because all of us are just so smart and good looking and got it all together. Certainly it's not that. It has to be to the glory of God Almighty because we don't know, you know, we don't know what we're doing sometimes. But Jesus is our rock. He's the foundation. He's the anchor. He is our strength. And so if you're like, yeah, but man, I, I, you don't know what I've done. Listen to this. The most important people in the Bible were very screwed up people. The people that God used in the biggest and best ways, it's not because they were the most naturally gifted and talented people. Jacob was a cheater. Peter had a temper and cussed. Now, all these people I'm mentioning, they didn't continue doing these things. They stopped, okay? But what I'm saying is, so some, I've seen people read lists like this. Peter cussed, so I'm going to. No, Peter didn't defend it and say it was okay. He stopped doing it. But my point is this, is that all these people I'm mentioning, they made some bad and stupid mistakes. David had an affair. And, and had murder committed on the man. Noah got drunk. Jonah ran from God. Paul was a murderer. Gideon was insecure. Martha was a warrior. Thomas was a doubter. Sarah was impatient. Elijah was really moody, like some of us are. Uh, Moses stuttered. Zacchaeus was too short. Abraham was too old. And Lazarus was dead. So what I'm telling you today is this. God doesn't call the qualified. God qualifies the called. And so you may be like, I don't got that much to offer. You're perfect. You're exactly what Jesus is looking for. You're somebody that can say, I don't have much to offer. I'll just give my entire self. That's exactly what he's looking for right there. And so Jesus wants to do something big in your life. But it's got to be when you come to the point of saying, hey, I need you to be my strength because I'm not strong enough, Jesus. I need you so bad. One more verse, 2 Corinthians 12, verses 9 and 10. 2 Corinthians 12, verses 9 and 10. Are we okay this morning? You still with me? 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 9 and 10. So this is Paul talking about what we would call his thorn in the flesh. And I'm not going to get into all that right now. People debate on what the thorn in the flesh was. But what I want to get out is this. 2 Corinthians 12, verses 9 and 10. So Paul's saying, God, get rid of my problems. Get rid of my, get rid of the thorn in the flesh. Get rid of this whole thing. Verse 9, each time he said, my grace is all you need. Why? My power works best in weakness. Come on. So now I'm glad to boast about my weaknesses so the power of Christ can work through me. I'm telling you today, I, I am, I'm not that strong. I, I've got some weaknesses. I, I don't have it all together. I don't have the most talent. I, there's better preachers. There's better whatever else. But I'm telling you right now that I know that when I'm weak and I can say, Jesus, I need you to be my strength. He can come in and flex 
and show you how strong he really is. Look at verse 10. That's why I take pleasure in my weaknesses and in the insults, hardships, persecutions, and troubles that I suffer for Christ. Here it is. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Amen. When I'm weak, Jesus can come in and really be my strength. And he can be the solid rock that I need him to be. And when I rely on him, I can not go wrong. So what I want to say today is happy Rocktober, everybody. It's the best month of the year. And if you, well, I mean, we're looking at a lot of stuff here over these last few weeks. But the biggest thing that I got to tell you is this, for real. Don't just sit there and say, yeah, Jesus is my Lord. He's my everything. Don't say that if it's a lie, okay? Because you know if it's a lie, and Jesus knows if it's a lie. And what I'm saying today is this, is if you haven't honestly made him the foundation and the cornerstone, if all of the decisions you make in life are not based upon what Jesus and the Bible say, he is not your foundation. Yeah, well, I base my relationships on him and I base my this on him, but I don't base my money off of what the Bible says. He's not your foundation. Well, I base my money off of Jesus and I, and I base my going to church off of Jesus and I base my uh, this off of Jesus, but I don't base how I treat other people off of Jesus. He's not your foundation. He's not your Lord. You like the idea of him being your Lord, but let's get real. He's not really that. He's your savior. I'm, we know we're not saying that you don't get to go to he- You still get to go to heaven if you've made him your savior. But if you'll make Jesus your Lord in this life, your life down here, it will be so much better than it could have ever been. And sometimes his way takes a little longer than what we want or what everybody else thinks. But I swear, it is always worth it to do things his way. Laying the foundation takes time, but it's worth it. Amen. Can we stand up together today? Praise God. I really, really trust and believe that you've received something out of the message today. Josh is going to lead us in a little worship here, but I got to tell you that we can't leave this place unless we have at least given the chance for you to honestly make Jesus the Lord of your life. I'm talking about the Lord. I'm not talking about, yeah, me and God are cool. We've got our own thing. We do. No, no. Don't base your relationship with God off of the rules that you set up. You know, yeah, me and God, we come to an understanding. No, 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 no. There's none of that. (laughs) It's his way. And and if we don't do it his way, then it's the wrong way. And so what I want to do today is I want to lead us in a prayer together and give everybody a chance to receive Jesus or to maybe at least make things right with him. Because what I come across more often than not is people that at one time they served Jesus. At one time they received him, but they kind of walked away. And, and, and we know that Jesus would never leave you, but again, we know that it is possible for us to leave him. And, uh, and we aren't here to, you know, judge you or throw rocks at you or poke and make fun. We're just here to say, hey, let's fix it today. Why, why keep going on like that when we could fix that right now? I mean, it, it doesn't take long at all. Because anyone that calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Romans 10, 13. And so I'm going to lead us in a prayer today. And if, if you'll pray it with us, we're not going to ask you to come up here and give a speech or something. But what we are going to ask you to do is to acknowledge Jesus and say, yeah, I said it and I meant it. 
And I'm not ashamed of it. And I'm going to stand by this decision because Jesus said, if you are ashamed of me, I'll be ashamed of you. If you can't acknowledge me on earth before men, I can't acknowledge you before my father in heaven. It is super important that we all have a time in our lives where we said, "Uh, yes, I do believe in Jesus and I stand by that decision and I'm not trying to hide that. So I'm going to lead you in a prayer today. And if you'll pray it with us, uh, we want to give you some help, give you some materials to, to get you on the right track and not just say, good luck, hope you make it. We're not like that. We want to help you out. Amen. Can we bow our heads and close our eyes and pray this together? Father, I want you to say this with me. Say, Father, in Jesus' name, I believe in your son, Jesus. I believe that he died, that he rose again. Jesus forgive me for any wrong I've done. Cleanse me. I want to be clean before you. Give me another chance. Give me the strength to live for you. I'm making you my Lord. In Jesus name. Amen. And now if you're here and you did, uh, you prayed that. And you're like, yeah, I, I said it and I meant it. And today is your day of really, really getting things right with God. I've got a man right here named Jose. Jose, raise your hand. All right. If you prayed that prayer today, I need you to go talk to Jose. He's going to be right back there uh, here in just a minute. And what he's going to do is he'll get your number, your name and number. And we want to hook you up with somebody we call a spiritual personal trainer. And they'll take the next 30 days to text you a devotion and a Bible verse every day. And they will pray for you every day. You can ask them questions. You can get help from them. But we want to give you 30 days of really starting to lay the foundation the right way. Who thinks that sounds like a pretty good gift right there? I mean, that, yeah, that's a good thing. All right. I'm going to have my prayer team come on up this morning. If we could do that. Now, if you're here and you need prayer for something, if you came today and you have a need, man, maybe, maybe you've got, uh, you know, family issues. Maybe you've got health issues. Maybe you've got some sort of other issues going on. We want to pray with you today. I've got a team of people up here that would absolutely uh, love to pray with you. And they have got faith to move mountains. I'm telling you that right now. And so if you need prayer, come on up. If not, you just sit right there and worship the Lord for a few minutes. Amen. My hope is built on nothing less than in Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest rain but holy trust in Jesus' name. In Christ alone, a cornerstone, weak made strong, in the Savior's love, through the strife, Lord of all When darkness seems To hide His face I rest
who was blessed from the Word of God today? Amen. Who knows that you got to take the time to lay that foundation the right way. Amen. And we're going to do that. That's what we're all about here. All right. Well, praise the Lord. We're going to go ahead and close things out this morning. I've got a couple of reminders for you. First of all, we got church tonight at 6 o'clock. And so if you thought this was fun, tonight's going to be so much more fun. So come back out. And also, um, if you picked up one of the Christmas boxes for the Samaritan's Purse Operation Christmas Child, the good news is, is that we got a few shipments of boxes and they are they're all gone. We gave out every single box. So good job, church family, uh, on that. Uh, but we need to remind you to go ahead and fill those boxes up. And they're back. They're due back the week of November the 6th through the 13th. And we got to deliver them and get them shipped out to the little children all over the world. And so I think that's just one of the coolest things that we've ever been able to do. And is there any other announcements? Did I forget anything? All right. Well, make sure that you signed up to help out at Harvest Fest. And uh, if you're like, man, I just, I'm, I'm not good at that stuff. You're really good at it. All right. You're, you're awesome. I'll just tell you now, you're the best at it. So sign up and you, you would just help out with anything and everything. Maybe you just do a little shift of helping little kids play ring tosser. So whatever it is, we just need everybody to help out. So make sure you sign up for that. The last thing is, if this was your first time with us, first time in a long time, go back there to the info booth where, where Jose, might I say, is really rocking the Argyle today. Let's hear it for Jose. That's just, wow. Wow. His Argyle game is getting really, really good. I'm going to have to step it up at Thanksgiving because I don't know if I can do that. But that's just incredible. But anyway, uh, go back there. If this was your first time, give him your first-timer card. We've got a gift for you, a gift card to Dutch Brothers or something like that. And we want to bless you. And everybody else in the church is like, we didn't do that when it was my first time. Hey, hey, calm down, all right? We didn't have the money back then, all right? So <laughs> we had a mortgage. Anyway, all right, let's go ahead. <laughs> Let's close out in prayer, and then we'll do our Barstow Faith Confession, and we will see you tonight. Let's pray. Can we raise our hands? The Apostle Paul said men everywhere ought to raise their holy hands in prayer. He meant the girls, too. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you, Lord, for what we've seen in your word today. And Jesus, we want you to be the cornerstone of our life. We know that we've got to get you in the right place in our life and line up everything else with that. So I pray that we've received your word today. And we're not just going to be hearers of the word. We're going to be doers because it's not good enough to just hear it if we don't do anything about it. So help us to do something with the word that we have received today. Lord, we know you'll bring us back safely next time and we already proclaim in jesus name that harvest fest this week is going to be the biggest success that we've ever had in jesus name lord and we're not just going to give out a bunch of candy and play a bunch of games but we're going to get the gospel out to people we're going to see salvations healings miracles restoration and you're going to get all the glory for it lord in the mighty name of jesus we love you so much and everybody said Amen. Let's speak some faith over Barstow today. Let's do it. We declare that Barstow is a blessed city. Our families are blessed. Our schools are blessed. Our churches are blessed. Barstow is healed. Barstow is prospering. Barstow is safe. Barstow is strong. Barstow is surrounded by the walls of God's salvation. Barstow is full of love, joy, and peace. Barstow is full of the glory of God. Barstow is coming to Jesus. Barstow is saved. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's go.